Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one transcendent page of Talmud today. And what a page, page 30 in Tractate Shabbat is. It's a glorious one about fathers and sons and the way political power works. If you watch that HBO show, Secession, it's kind of like the best episode ever of that. And to help us make sense of it, one of my favorite people on earth, the CEO of the Bnei Zion Foundation, rabbi and newly minted Princeton University doctor as of last week, Ari Lam. Hello. This is very exciting. I'm so glad to be here. So am I the first person to officially call you Dr. Lam, or did your, did your mother beat me to that punch? Well, you're the first person to call me that non-mockingly. My wife has, <laughs> has mocked me mercilessly since then. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it, once you get the PhD, right. not, not to be laughed at by people. Right. Like, you're not a real doctor. <laughs> She's an actual doctor, so I think that some of it is coming from there, you know. So my first reaction to her when I finished the defense was, you know, scrub me in. <laughs> All right. And so let me read an astonishing section in today's page and help us make sense of it. Here is King David, and he's standing before God, and he's talking about the one subject that none of us like to think about, but all of us at one point or another have to face. And I read, David said before the Holy One, blessed be he, Master of the universe, Lord, make me to know my end, and how long will I die? God said to him, It is decreed before me that I do not reveal the end of the life of flesh and blood. He asked further, And the measure of my days, and what day of the year will I die? He said to him, It is decreed before me not to reveal the measure of a person's days. Again, he, King David, requested, Let me know how short-lived I am. On what day of the week will I die? He said to him, You will die on Shabbat. David requested of God, let me die on the first day of the week, so that the honor of Shabbat will not be tarnished by the pain of death. He said to him, on that day, the time of the kingdom of your son, Solomon, has already arrived, and one kingdom does not overlap with another, and subtract from the time allotted to another even a hairbreadth. God is saying, your days will end, and your son's reign will begin. That is really dramatic stuff. This is the moment in Jewish history, in the history of the land of Israel, in the history of the West, quite frankly, where the position of the Jewish intellectual tradition on politics is made most clear and most stark, which is that if you want to kind of put King David, King Solomon, his son, in the context of ancient political thought, which you could do, and it's something that we should start with, there is enormous amount of investment in the ruler and the king as an avatar of God, as a divinity in and of himself. And there's a great deal of literal physical investment in communicating to the populace the divine role of kings, whether it be the pyramids, whether it be a massive sphinx, whether it be a city built to honor a king. And in the biblical political tradition, kings are messengers, kings are servants. And they're servants, certainly they're servants of God, they're servants to God's larger vision for the world, they're servants to the people uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, in the sense that kings uh, are required, much like other public servants, as the book of Deuteronomy lays out, priests, teachers, you know, policemen, judges, prophets, kings are 
are servants of, uh, of the people in the sense of pushing forward a sense of collective destiny. And so here, you know, when the Talmud sort of delineates a line between David's reign and his son Solomon's reign, and emphatically communicates to David that his time is over. So we're first of all meant to learn from that, that a king is actually not the main protagonist in the political drama of which he is a part, which no king in ancient history would have conceded. In fact, kings in the ancient world would have thought that that was a seditious notion. And if you want to think about the intellectual, philosophical pedigree of the Western political tradition, it all begins right here. Here is where, uh, uh, here is where, for the first time in political thought, a king is made to understand forcefully by God Himself that he is not the protagonist or the main protagonist of the political drama. Number one. Number two, and here again is where the Jewish political tradition stands as a challenge to certainly how we moderns tend to think about politics. You know, we moderns often you know, think about politics as a question of how do we serve the population, which is a normal thing to think, right? Like, you know, you have a lot of constituents and they're all voting for somebody. And the question that you often ask is, you know, not people don't usually put it this crassly, but what's in it for me? What am I getting if I elect you into office? Part of the biggest challenge that we have, especially at this point of, uh, of American political life, whereas, uh, political commentator Ross Douthat has recently, recently written, you know, we are, we have become very decadent, Another political commentator, Tyler Cowen, has written that we've become a complacent society. So at at this point in American life, where we're so focused on the role of the individual and what am I getting out of the political process, life begins with me and life ends with me, and I need to make sure that while I'm on this earth, I get mine. What this vignette in the Babylonian Talmud is telling us, in the Dafyomi is telling us, is that the political process, rightly understood as the transition from David to to Solomon demonstrates, is that the way we should think about politics is actually in much longer term horizons. You know, we need to think not what did David accomplish for David, but how did David set the table for Solomon? How did Solomon set the table for his son, Rehoboam? How did the Israelite monarchy set the tradition for rabbinic leadership that would come at a later stage in history? And how did that period set the stage for what we're doing? I mean, so much of the biblical and Jewish political tradition is about thinking, how do I do things and how do I accomplish political goals that I will not benefit from? And the only people who will benefit, it might be my children, but it might not even be my children. It might be my great, 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 great grandchildren who are who I will never meet, whom I will never know. And in some cases, you know, who hopefully will remember my name, you know, and my life. But in other cases, the only thing they'll remember about me are the values that I cause to be passed down to them. And by the way, it's, it is extremely appropriate in that context that we're about to read the Passover story. I mean, think about the Passover story for a moment. Of the protagonists, of the, the good guys in that story, how many names do we actually know? Well, we know Moses, we know Aaron, we know Miriam, and Pharaoh's name we don't even know. The Bible doesn't give it to us. It's just the title. As how many people do we actually know? The truth of the matter is, is you know, some of us, uh, not me, but <laughs> many Jews consider themselves descended from Aaron or descended from Moses if they're Levites or if they're, you know, they're priests. If your last name is Cohen or Katz or <laughs> something like that, you're probably a descendant of Aaron. But most of us do not know the names of any of our ancestors who were present during the Exodus, who were uh, Israelites who fleed Egypt. And yet those anonymous ancestors 
are absolute heroes. They launched a an intellectual, a moral, ethical, a political tradition that has stood the test of time more resolutely than any other. And that's what the Babylonian Talmud is attempting to communicate to us. We need to think not in terms of our own political accomplishments, but in terms of those of our descendants, our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren that we can set the uh, that we can set the stage for. Rabbi Dr. Lamb. Amen to that. Thank you so much for being our guest today. My absolute pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.